You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. The ritual is nearly complete. The unspeakable old ones will enter our world. You can't stop it. You have to destroy them. An ancient apocalyptic cult has nearly summoned a great old one into our world. Its devastating arrival is imminent. Now what? Cthulhu Death May Die is an action-packed cooperative board game for one to five players. To defeat the Eldritch horrors from out of space and time, you must embrace madness and work together. You'll need to uncover and solve the mysteries of up to six different episodic stories using your unique combinations of skills and insanities, fighting a wide array of terrible monsters from across the mythos. Then, you must disrupt the ritual just long enough to make the Elder One vulnerable and kill it. Dead. It's probably a one-way trip, but you're up for it. Right? Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum, where your hosts... Justin and Ricky, and uh, as you heard, today's episode, Death May Die. Uh, brand brand new game was kickstarted from Kaman uh, or Simon, if depending on how you want to say it these days. Uh, depending think, on what, I think what they're thinking, is their new way of saying it. Mm-hmm. But I always call it Simon or Cool Mini or not. Mm. Either way. Um, but this hit retail right before the holidays. Um, and the Kickstarter's got it slightly before that. And this is where I got, like, the giant baby Cthulhu um, miniature because it's technically one of the epic scenarios that you can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so might as well start doing a review on it and talk about this thing, right? Oh, yeah. But first, roll recapping. Roll recapping. Well, uh, Justin was kind enough to buy me and my girlfriend a new Harry Potter game, so no longer will I be playing just... Hogwarts Battle. Um, I'm also going to be playing Death Eater Rising. Um, and we played quite a bit of it. Uh, the first game we did really well at. And now she just doesn't understand that that's not how the game normally goes. So we're trying to beat it again. Um, but with Christmas and everything else, it's been hard to uh, break away and play some board games. Hmm. My family aren't big board gamers. And... Yeah, everyone I really hung out with over the past two weeks. Boy, do I have an opposite tale for you. <laughs> so, it's it's really funny in that sense, because um, I use some strategic PTO uh, from work, so I pretty much have been off almost like two weeks here, and I've been done doing almost nothing but watching movies and playing board games, and some video games. Um, but... Mostly a lot, a lot of board gaming. Um, so much so, in the last two weeks, um, played a couple sessions of Gloomhaven, kept that going. Um, played Ghost Stories, got handed in Ghost Stories. Um, it's an excellent game, but it is one of the toughest co-ops I know out, that's out there. Um, and then we had a... I kind of hosted a bachelor-ish party where the uh, groom wanted to essentially um, just hang out, play board games, drink beers. So we hung out, played board games, drank beers, uh, ended up playing, uh, introducing him to uh, Suro Phoenix Rising because mm. uh, he's a big fan of the original Suro, so I wanted to show him um, not Suro of the Seas, but what I felt was a better evolution of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played Red Dragon Inn, which I hadn't played in a long time, because uh, one of the uh, Bachelor Party members was uh, kind enough to bring his set, which actually had a lot of expansions, which I haven't seen yet. So that was fun. Uh, played some card, simple card games like Six Nimit, which was a Eschenspiel winner from like mid-90s. Um, it feels like a mid-90s card game, and it feels like it's the, yeah, the board games were not, um, in this big resurgence yet in the 90s, so it feels like, yeah, that's what would be a winner game. It's, it's fun, but it's definitely not what games are uh, like anymore. And then became um, 
my other colleagues that were in the pandemic season two with me for uh, Pandemic Legacy, we had some free days over the holidays, so we played a lot of Pandemic Season 2. We're about halfway through it now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, like, we got together on Monday, we played three sessions on that. Uh, we started playing Death May Die to get myself familiar with the game and, and get a lot of reps on it. And then uh, I would occasionally still cluster myself into the basement and play um, uh, Death May Die and Arkham Horror. So there's a lot of that in there. Um, we also played and tried out Mystery House, a new twist on escape room game. Mm -hmm. uh, scenario based, but you um, have like a slotted house and all these cards go into it. And you can only look through the sides of the box to see what you're, what's on those cards. Some of them are a little bit shaded and dark, so you have to like get a flashlight and look in and peer around corners. It's really neat. Um, and then it's app-driven to tell you, like, hey, what's, uh, I want to take a look at what's on this coordinates on this card. And, like, oh, there's a scroll. What's a scroll? And then it'll give you flavor text on it. Or maybe it'll give you an item because, like, oh, that's a magic sword. You now have a magic sword. Cool. Then we played more Pandemic Season 2. Uh, that was a second round of five sessions. Season 2 for the Legacy is interesting because it's a very reverse pandemic. You're trying to make sure things don't go bad. Because mm -hmm. if you run out of supply cubes, then plague shows up and you have no way of removing the plague cubes. Opposed to curable diseases, you're actually just trying to prevent the diseases from even spawning. Mm -hmm. So it's neat that way. Um, then Forbidden Sky. Played a couple rounds of that. Um, took us a while to get the strategy behind that one. It's it's pretty tough having to build the the, the uh, network that's involved with there. More Arkham Horror, and more Death May Die. So I've been busy. Non-stop. Been busy. Um, hey, this is also your first uh, holiday season not working somewhere where the holiday season specifically is the busy season. Correct. So it's been nice. Correct. Um, I know you've gotten a little time off, and you've just... Loved it, whereas, yeah. you know, the rest of us schlubs are... Well, it... Yeah, it happens. Yeah. You know, it all depends on what industry you're in. The, uh, I got out of retail to get into a desk job, which then ended up being holiday season was the busy season for that, too, and year-end was a thing. And not, now, now, now I'm in a field that quarters, the start mm -hmm. of every quarter. So, like, next week, things are going to get a little crazy, but um, not, not, not right now. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of right now, it is right before New Year's, so t end of 2019, going into 2020, new new you, new year, new decade, roaring 20s are back, so I, I guess Death May Die thematically made sense too for that, huh. um, but we had our 2019 challenges, I, I guess because we only have like two days left, one day left. Well, we, te we while recording, this will come out to, afterwards. Yeah. No, we oh. have one today, tomorrow, and that's it. Mm. And yeah, it's the first. Yeah, and then this will come out like a, a day after that. No, two days after that. On the third, yeah. Yeah, on the third. So, so yeah, um, we're talking to you from the past decade. Weird. <laughs> Hello, future people. It's nice. Okay. It's nice. But I don't yeah, have twenty twenty vision. You will in two days. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So I had three challenges. I don't remember what you had though. I had three challenges. Okay, so new games. I set myself to play fifty new games this year. Fifty? Fifty new unique games. Hadn't played them before. Mm hmm Crushed it. What were you sitting at? Um, I got that right after Gen Con, to be honest. Oh, wow. Okay. So, pretty much August, the first week of August, I was done with that challenge. I had played 50 new games by August. So, I will probably do that again next year, because I'm always called, trying to cultivate new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I had, uh, I had a similar with you. Um, well, actually, I did all the same challenges as you, just significantly less. Um, I had 40 new games. Mm-hmm. I hit uh, 27. 
a little disappointing. I feel like I may have missed some in there somewhere. See, because you got to get good at the that That's my problem, yeah, writing it down. Um, play even more games. So I have, uh, last year, if you were, uh, if we had on our recap, we had, uh, I played 200, over 250 games last year. Mm-hmm. This year I set myself to 350. Mm. I did that as of yesterday. Well, congratulations. I don't know if I'm going to set 350 because that's almost like literally like this pretty much it's like a, a game, game a day. day. Mm. Um, and without like marathoning sessions like uh, the pandemic in the last couple of weeks, yeah, I was, about to I say, was going to like, miss you, that huge. You, you, you got I, up I had to that probably, because of your PTO, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I probably got that challenge based on the last two weeks by about 10 to about 10 between 10 and 20 games in the last two weeks so mm. that alone saved my my bacon and yeah. it was I, I i was keeping track it was like i was a i would be ahead and then i wouldn't play games for like a week or something like mm. life and stuff and or whatever would happen and then like i'd fall behind and then i had to catch up and mm. so i think i'm gonna uh, dial that back next year i think 300 mm. it, it will keep me consistent and I will definitely, it's a goal I can hit, but it will keep me honest to keeping, making sure I hit it. Mm-hmm. Mine was set at 150, came in at 103. 103. So not bad for my first year trying it, because it's a game every every three to four days. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's about, and I would probably every... But those are rookie numbers. Yeah. We gotta get those numbers up. You gotta pump those numbers up. Yeah. There I, you go. I think you should do another hundred fifty for next year. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely do hundred fifty. I, I, I know think, I, know I, I think, do more. I think you'd repeat that one. Especially because I mean now that we have I have my own place and I have all my games with me at my place at all times. There we go. Yeah. So the ten by ten. This is the one <laughs> that screwed me up last year. I got to about seventy percent. Um because I got about 70 games played. Um, I came in at 60% this year. I, I missed it again. Um, uh, technically, because we were starting to get burnt out in Pandemic Season 2. Well, we started it last October, and then Betrayal Legacy came out. We played the heck out of that. Mm. And then Pandemic Season 2 kind of fell to the wayside. And only in the last two weeks we got back uh, back to it. So I played like eight games of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't get ten games in. Oh. So I got eight out of ten there. Uh, I got my ten plays of Arkham Horror. I got my ten plays of Gloomhaven, because I've been talking about that all year. Um, due to the campaign I did with Scythe for Rise of Fenris, I got my ten games of Scythe in, mm-hmm. which is why Scythe was on the list. And then because um, of Sentinels of the Multiverse getting like the... Big box, the big black box. everything I wanted to make sure yeah. I got some reps of that. Got my 10 reps at least of that. Uh, I think I actually got even more than 10. But Then uh, I did not get a Gen 7 game completed this year, so I missed mm-hmm. that one. Um, I got a couple games of Cthulhu Wars, but not 10 of them. Um, oh, I did get my Warhammer uh, Blackstone Fortress. I got some reps on that one, too. Yeah, you played that. We're I was really supposed to play that with you, and then you life happened. Yeah, exactly. You moved, so, got busy. Um, I did not get Rising Sun or Charterstone to the table this year at all. Yeah. I tried, um, but did not. I got 33 um, between Arkham Horror, Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle, mm-hmm. and then uh, Ticket to Ride were my three that I got 10 out of 10. Okay. Um, we had originally talked, and this is a year ago, me and you talked about doing Charterstone and Charterstone, Blackstone. Pandemic, and Warhammer Quest together, and we just never got together for that, because that's, uh, nope. yeah, those are, those are big ones. Um, Keyforge, I thought I was, thought 2019 was going to be the Keyforge year for me, and then I fell off the way, you know, fell off the wagon, decided not to, to keep buying decks stuff like that um, i still find it as a nice casual game but i yeah. definitely cannot play competitively mm-hmm. I, I know a couple guys who do and they're really good and i've played against them and i i can tell like they they play at that that skill level yeah i just it's not the game for me like i thought it would be for that so agreed. yeah yeah you know honestly what i like to do is go and buy a pack 
and play against someone who just bought a pack, mm-hmm. and that's fun. But that just isn't cost effective. No, I can't just keep buying packs anytime I want to play a game. Right. Um, I had uh, Melbourne because that was one of my mom's family favorite. games. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just didn't get that on the table. Same thing with Star Wars Armada and Star Wars Legion. Mm. I had a lot of high hopes for that. Again, I moved, so I mean, right now all of my stuff is still in boxes. Yeah. So I haven't set up my paint station yet. I haven't been able to do anything with that yet. But I'm hoping 2020 is going to be the year. Um, I'm going to do another 10 by 10 next year. I think I'm going to think, I think harder I'm... about what games I'm going to put on there. See, I think I'm going to stop the 10 by 10. I'm you don't want to keep playing the same 10 games over and over again? I move between groups, and I play a lot of variance things. Mm-hmm. So I think what I'm actually going to do is going to do um, uh, 20 by 5. That's a good. 20 titles, 5 times each. I think, yeah. I, I think I'll be able to manage that a little bit better. Um, I tried to strategically put, like, okay, campaign games. So, like, if I played a full thing of Charterstone, well, there's my 10 out of 10 because it does 12 games. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Pandemic uh, Legacy. Like, you yeah. can, you have to play a minimum 12 games of that. Yeah. Um, you can go up to t- uh, 24 if you just lose every single freaking game. Mm-hmm. But to complete the campaign, you're officially playing that much. Gloomhaven's like that. Like, that's why I put a lot of those campaign games on there. Um it just takes a lot of coordination and effort to so yeah and if you're not playing it every every week or every month or something like that then it's it's hey we have to plan power through sessions a saturday and we have to play from 8 a.m until 8 p.m and even that is not going to get us there so yep yeah so i think that's where my i'm going to kind of look at things tomorrow uh, before New Year, and, and on our next episode, I'll, I'll set, I'll, I'll announce my official challenges. Mm. I might even tweet them out just to to put them out there on the socials. Yeah, because uh, that is one of the. I think. No, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. Tabletop Arcanum's 2020 resolutions. No, yeah. what are we doing next year? Stick it to reviews. Mm-hmm. Going to do more reviews. Um, we're actually recording today on some brand, brand new mics and brand new equipment. So do us a favor, drop us a line either through the tabletoparcanum at gmail.com email, um, at tabletoparcanum through the Twitter uh, or Instagram or at the Tabletop Arcanum Facebook page. YouTube. YouTube. Just about anywhere you can think of typing Tabletop Arcanum, we're there. And you can, you can definitely hit us up anytime. So, definitely hit us up, and uh, since you're the end user, our audience, what do you think of the new mics and the setup? If uh, if we need to make adjustments, we'll make adjustments. I think we're mm. doing, it's going to take a couple times to, to truly dial it in Yeah. Um, when you do new equipment changes like that. Um, so, so, yay to that. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else are we going to do? More social. More social. Um, we also did just celebrate our 2000th download. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it took us almost a year to get up to 1000, and then only a few months after that to get to 2000. Yeah. So, it's, it's been nice. Keep pumping those numbers. Yeah. And um, then. We do eventually want to do some videos. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to work on. Working out the kinks and all that. Logistics. Um, we appreciate all of you listening because this is a very visual media medium that we're describing to you yeah. every other week. So Maybe you'll be able to see some of this sooner than later. 2020. Yeah. Video. Something. Something. We got to do something. Yeah. All right. What else? Anything else? Mm, more games. More games, more games, more games. Yeah, of course more games. So, any big games on the horizon that it's like, oh my god. For me right now? Yeah, what's a future game in your brain that, like, you want? I've known I shared a a few with you, and I can't think of any right now that I'm just like, I need to get this in my hands right now. Okay. Um, So, I've got a few I'm excited for in 2020. 
um, ISS Vanguard, which is the new uh, upcoming Awakened Realms like sci-fi game. So mm. Nemesis, I love that they did. Yeah. Uh, they just pumped out for Kickstarter um, backers Tainted Grail, which is dark, fancy, gritty, awesome. But with that, they were advertising and pushing that their next campaign is going to have... Uh, they just finished Great Wall, but mm. the next campaign is going to be the Vanguard, which is going to be in 2020. Eric Ling, conveniently Death May Die designer, has his capstone of uh, trilogy... Ankh coming up, Egyptian gods. Yeah. So we had Blood Rage, which is Viking. Mm. We had Rising Sun, which was uh, Asian for the most part. Um, and now we're going to have comedic mythology coming in with Ankh. Mm. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I'm kind Kind of interested in seeing on where Marvel Champions goes to. Mm. Um, they were able to get out a little head of schedule and a little bit of shot of shot in the the arm. The Captain America, Miss Marvel, Marvel, and Green Goblin yeah. packs right before Christmas this year. I'm extremely excited to see what a regular flow starts looking like of getting a pack a month. So let's get Thor out there. Let's get the wrecking crew. Mm. Let's get whatever's after all that. Let's get this stuff going. Yeah. Um, I think those are like my top things I'm personally excited for. Um, new Gloomhaven is going to be neat. I still have to get through regular Gloomhaven. Mm -hmm. So. Man. You got anything on the, the docket? Maybe some Dark Side Rising if it ever comes stateside. It'll never come stateside, and that's that's what drives. Don't say what, never; it uh, can happen. Just don't I have mean, your hopes up. Yeah, it's all licensing, so I mean, we have Fantasy Flight who owns the licensing for games for Star Wars versus the app who owns it in the UK. And right, it's it's gonna be a weird IP battle, and we'll see how it turns out. Maybe they'll yeah, maybe they'll make it work. We'll see. I do want to play. I know it's a skin, but the Kingdom Hearts Talisman. Mm. I mean, I just from what we saw at Gen Con, those those figures or those minis were the were figures. Beautiful. Yeah, the the, yeah. the pawns actually look amazing. Yeah. they've been showing casting those on their. Um, I think it's the I've been seeing them coming across on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Like just all the different characters they did and all the different sculpts they did. Yeah, there's yeah. some there's some cool stuff going on with there. Um, so I'm, I'm always excited for. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077, Cyberpunk Red, everything that's going to go along with that. I, I want to yeah. get an actual the core year of book. Cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot coming out. It's when you initially said I thought you went new games coming out. There's a lot of games that I still have a lot of hype for. I would that, still be that are already like here. yeah, yeah. I would nah, be buying. I'm, a I was lot looking. Of, I'm forward looking. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, there, there's there's a ton always of games. a backlog. That yeah. is one of my resolutions this year. Get through your backlog. No shelf of shame anymore. I'm clearing it out this year. Okay, you know what? Hundred percent. If I haven't played it in, and it's in my house, why is it here? I'll join you on that because I have a lot of games that I just keep picking up. I am up. not talking about video games. That's a backlog no, that no. I cannot do. Yeah, no. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because Board I games. just uh, one thing at a time. I just got a new laptop, and mm -hmm. the one thing I found out after buying this laptop is apparently sometime within the last like three years, I bought a. Uh, digital board game hum humble bundle oh so i have like a ton of board games on my pc now nice. and i'm like also keep an eye open for like tabletop simulator and things like that that they'll they'll go on sale through steam all the time uh, it's ten dollars right now and i'm very tempted to pick it up because i really want to play it but that's, there's a lot of good stuff there yeah but no downloading my all these games or downloading oh stuff onto my uh, oh my boy. laptop all of a sudden it's like oh okay i've got <laughs> Two, three hundred games here sitting ready to be played that have never been touched. I, I, I specifically ignore that Steam exists during their sales because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that's resolutions. We've talked about a role recap. Um, you brought up, like... Um, Wait, you need to stop and you need to tell me what's up with this piece of wood sitting in front of me. I was working towards that. Well... Stop what you're working towards and tell me about this wood. 
Wow. Well, zip, thump. <laughs> oh my. It's uh my. I put it on our, our our socials. It is the Master Monk Nomad Armory. Um, that showed up. I pre-ordered it through Gen Con because I missed their Kickstarter, and I didn't actually know about it until Gen Con. I saw it there. Talked with uh, Max and TJ while at Gen Con. One, they're awesome guys. Very personable. Great. I love seeing them on the con scene, and they're going to try and hit more. So if you actually go to a con, look up Master Monk Gaming. They should be there, or they're going to try to be there. Um, their product is amazing. So long, long while back, Wormwood uh, came out with like high-quality exotic woods, dice trays, dice box, or card deck boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they'd start doing like dice vaults and character vaults, and they still do all that. So Master Monk is doing that too. They're just a different company. There is the arm the Nomad's Armory itself is a complete RPG on the go system. So you get everything can be bought separate, but you have a magnetic dice tray that is maybe eight inches by eight inches. Like it's not huge, it doesn't take up a lot of table space. The whole thing snaps together. Mm-hmm. Mechanically holds it together. Boom, you're done. Now I have a place to roll my dice without having to like fly all over the table. The lid holds a pen, pencil. Also, it comes with a nice uh, stainless steel uh, piece of metal, which mm-hmm. metal magnetic. This will can stick to your dice box. You can actually write on it with a wet oh. erase marker. So if you want to put your character name, your current AC, your current hit points. If I'm the DM, I can put it on the dice tower, which I'm going to get to next. Maybe put initiatives on there. Mm-hmm. It's a blank piece of metal. Do what you want with it. Maybe not eat it. Not or hit. And I would probably not hit people with it. But then moving on, you have a dice box, a magnetic dice box, um, with a couple different options on it. But you can store your dice, you can store your mini. The mini's not really good fitting in there because the bases are bigger than the box holding itself so there's a little bit of an issue there but i can hold about two two and a half sets worth of D D dice mm. which is usually what you need honestly um depending on what type of character you're playing like i would load this differently if i was playing a fighter versus a wizard mm-hmm. you know i would probably put a little more d6s if uh if yeah. I knew, if i knew i had some fireball action going on then there's the dice tr- tower itself. Again, magnetic. It comes in a bunch of different pieces. It, they are inscribed with kind of a cheat sheet of how to pl- plug it all together. So on the sides of the tower, they're labeled A, B, C. You find the A pieces, you slap them together, you put the C pieces together, and all of a sudden, the whole thing is slotted, and you've got it ready to go. And it just slots right against the dice tray itself. It's got a cutout so it sits right on the dice tray. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, you drop your dice right down on it. They ran, They get the, the good roll on there. Especially things like the D4. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've always felt like, if unless you get it like on a point, it doesn't really roll. Yeah. It more just kind of flops and probably is whatever you dropped it at. Um, I was using this when I was playing Arkham Horror. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. Just drop a bunch of D6s, count my successes, move on. Um, but the whole thing collapses down because the dice tray is the outer shell. So the whole thing collapses down to 8 inches by maybe 6 inches high. Mm-hmm. Um, by about maybe two, 3 inches, 4 inches deep. Mm-hmm. And it stores everything you need for a game other than like your character sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Which now with things like D&D Beyond, you can have your sheet digital and you don't even need this part. So it's it's fantastic. Um, definitely a little bit on the pricier side if you go with the more exotic woods. Um, they do go into all things like Goblet Walnuts, Bloodwood, Ebony, things of that nature. Um, but they're, on the slightly more affordable side, it's still good craftsmanship. But you can still get like your Walnut and your Cherry... And your oak, um, and those are still on the you know, it's all spectrum, 
really mm -hmm. at that point is how much do you want to spend and what type of wood do you like because it's pretty it, it, it is very pretty it's so, very very pretty kudos to master monk gaming for this um this was not something that uh they gave us at the podcast or anything like that this was just something i saw talked to them and went man that's a awesome product and i want one yeah and i ordered one and it showed up right before christmas um so merry christmas to me i now have a portable gaming system yeah um yeah that's that was the big thing i was gonna walk into that is one of those recent uh, acquisitions that um yeah no this thing's gorgeous uh, mm -hmm. definitely go on to the twitter or facebook i put them up on those mm -hmm. for sure because it's it's pretty yeah oh yeah so let's um we've been dawdling we did a review we did all of our recap our resolutions let's go into death may die before um, people tune out here oh yeah we played a game yeah, we played a That's game. Right. That's Death right. Death May Die. So, uh, Rob Davio. Uh, Davio? Probably w. butchering that name. And uh, Eric Lang. And Eric Lang. Yeah. Um, you know, first first impressions. When you open this box, how do you feel about it? My first impressions when I heard about this game is, why do I need another Manchester Madness game? Mm-hmm. Because it looks like you're moving minis on a tiles, mm -hmm. and you're rolling dice to defeat your various Cthulhu Mythos monsters. But boy, were you wrong. Well, mostly. I was about half wrong. Yeah. It. Everything I said is true. You're, it's tile-based, it's scenario-based, just like Mansions of Madness. It's co-op like Mansions of Madness. It goes up to five players like Mansions of Madness. Mm -hmm. One big difference... This is about a 90-minute game compared to 90 to uh, 320 out, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, there's such a range on Mansions of Madness because the scenarios vary. This doesn't. It's very clean. It's mm -hmm. very quick. The other thing is this doesn't give you as much narrative, and it streamlines you to the action. Mm -hmm. um, so first impressions from that perspective was I thought I was getting another Mansions of Madness game. And then I looked more into it and went, no, it's different enough. Let me let me get let me get into this and, and, mm -hmm. and buy in. And the more I read, the more I got excited for it. It was the Cthulhu mini that made you excited, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, he's he's my he's my toddler that I never never knew I needed. <laughs> Sitting next to my beholder that I never knew I needed. Yeah, yeah. I Sitting mean, next to my dra uh, Dracus plushie. Which I knew I needed. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will say is, first impression of this game's these minis are... They're gorgeous. Yeah, they're beautiful. But, um, um, if, I had the same impression from Rising Sun. Mm -hmm. So, I knew that going in, for sure. Mm -hmm. Didn't not disappoint. They're still pretty minis. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of cool detail to them. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. So... Yeah. The other first impression when opening this box was everything kind of kept itself isolated and and self-contained. So mm -hmm. all the minis have their trays and there's a band that goes around them. That keeps them organized. The ancient ones or elder ones, um, they're in little boxes. Mm -hmm. The minis and cards and tokens that are associated with those all fit in those little boxes. Each episode scenario, there's six in the core box are self-contained they hold all the cards that you need and tokens you need for each episode within those little boxes and all those little boxes fit in the large box very well yeah except for those map tiles uh, those map tiles that was the, that's what i was gonna character say. sheets like yeah what are what yeah. they are but those map tiles are just chaos you lay the paper on top and everything's fine the manual everything like that um player cards yeah okay yeah but those those tiles man they get me every time. Right. Um, because once you pull those tiles off the top, you look at it and everything is just... It's, it's it belongs. very aesthetically pleasing looking at it because everything is right where it needs to be. Everything is like worked mm -hmm. out to be... To fill up the entire box. Right. Um, so, this is a Kickstarter. We're going to be primarily talking about the core game. 
mm. and not really reviewing the Kickstarter stuff. Mm. Um, if you buy this at retail, the core box is out there. Uh, what was the MSRP on this one? It looked like it was a hundred dollars. Okay. Um, it does look like it's some um, like uh, uh, lo- uh, gaming shops you can find for eighty. Mm-hmm. So you're getting that kind of range. So that's out there. Um, some of the extra ancient ones like Yogg-Sothoth and um, Black, Black Goat, Goat of the Woods are also available already. You get Haster and Cthulhu in the box, and you get six episodes in this box. Mm-hmm. And how you play the game is you take one of the episodes that you're going to play, that's your scenario, and then one ancient one, you smash them together. Mm-hmm. So you could play each episode with a different ancient one, and, they, and I have, because I wanted to see how different it was. It's, it's different. Mm-hmm. It actually feels different. The game shifts a little bit based on that. Um, which is very, very good. And the biggest thing I think that does that is not only each ancient one comes with one or two, uh, well, not that to one or two, uh, their cultists are all different a little bit. But the other thing is they all have a unique monster assigned to that ancient one. So mm-hmm. that helps. And the mythos cards, you get each ancient one comes with eight mythos cards, and each scenario comes with eight mythos cards, and you create a 16-card deck based on those two. Mm. Because it's a 50-50 split, half of your mythos deck is based on those two choices. Yeah. So. It was a real cool experience to see, like, just the two smashed up. and mm-hmm. I mean, you definitely get a feel of, okay, this is definitely that card. That is definitely from right. this scenario. Right, and based yeah. on what those cards were activating, yeah, you can, without even looking at it, you can tell, like, okay, this is this mm-hmm. is definitely a Haster card because we're dealing with his stuff. But then my next turn, we're dealing with scenario stuff because it's a 50-50 split mm-hmm. in the deck, which was very, very good. A um, lot of characters. Yeah, only almost too many characters. Well, when you start getting all the other stuff, yes. Core box, I think, is a lot of characters, but there's a lot of different characters because there's melee-based ones, there's range-based ones. There's mm-hmm. So you get a different flavor. The Arkham games do the same thing where there's a, like almost twice the number of characters that you can normally play with mm-hmm. in it. That helps. Um, all of that really enhances your replayability because depending on what characters you're picking versus your scenario versus your Elder God, those are all pieces that are working together to make this game work so that being said if you buy this at retail that's what you're getting out of the box the things that you're missing out on if you have that fomo miss fear of missing out situation mm-hmm. is kind of the stretch goal box um backers got yogg included they didn't have to get them separate mm-hmm. um there was another ancient one that was included in there and then, like, kind of the other thing was, like, three three scenarios and, um, like, s- a bunch of different characters. Like, 18, 18 new player characters. Mm-hmm. Um, most of that is supposedly um, coming out. So you should be able to get some of that with the Unspeakable box. There is one character called Scarlet, who she was ex- Kickstarter-only exclusive. Mm-hmm. And there was a uh, dice, like frosted, frosted, frosted dice, like yeah. frosted marble dice that were truly exclusive. Um, so they're doing a good job of like, if you were a backer, you kind of got everything at once, mm-hmm. which was really nice to have and also overwhelming to have. The rest of it is coming. It might be a little bit as they wave more stuff out. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a season two box that has six more episodes. Mm. And a bunch of extra characters in it too. So, lots. Once you have everything, you've got a lot of replayability. So, that's a good thing. Mm. I will say that. Um, what I think will be missing out on people is the Big Baby Cthulhu, which is a special epic scenario. It's cool. I don't think you're really missing out if you don't get it. It's a what two hundred dollar one shot. So, I mean. Right. If you look at it from a dollars to donuts situation, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of money for a one shot. It's a cool one shot. I mean, we're looking at the mini right now. Oh, we'll play it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, that being said, rules are pretty straightforward. Um, On your character sheet is 
of like all the rules and all the things that you ever need are like right there in front of you at all times. Mm. The only thing that isn't really in there is a detailed explanation of the end of turn effects, which is like kind of like four sub steps. Mm-hmm. But the back of the manual has that. So yeah. once you run through it once or twice as you play, you kind of remember it all. But you get three actions around. You can move, you can attack something, you can uh, rest as long as you're not with monsters. And then you can usually do, each scenario will give you extra scenario-specific actions too. Mm-hmm. So if there's a fire, like um, scenario one deals with fire, so one of your actions is putting out fire. Um, you're also trying to destroy lab equipment, so you have a destroy lab equipment option too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the scenarios we played was working with like masked party goers and trying to find the secret cultists with them. So we had to like, our, our scenarios actions were based on that mm-hmm. so, investigate or interrogate and it, then and then and separate then separate yeah. yeah um and then once you do that you do a mythos card which is kind of the book you know it's like most co-op games it's kind of what the board and the monsters get to do mm. and then whether you have monsters in your space or not is whether you get a discovery card which is usually finding items or people or s- situational stuff that's going to help you in the scenario or you're in a space with monsters, and that's their turn to get to attack you. Mm-hmm. It's all dice-based. You get to roll the dice against you. Um, there's three automatic black dice, and depending on um, the monster, they have different dice pools. You might get bonus dice versus skills or abilities or upgrades that you've gotten. And you have a way, uh, a, stress me- a stress meter, mm-hmm. which allows you to burn a stress and get a, a die re-roll. And that's whether any check that you're making or making against you. Mm-hmm. So lots of fun little twicks and turns of how, yes, it's just rolling dice, but you have a lot of ways to manipulate those dice too, mm-hmm. available to you usually. So it does a lot of good things there. Yeah, Keeps it fast, keeps it simple, keeps it action-packed. Yeah, and I think uh, when we were talking about it, when I originally opened the box, I said this is a lot. Like, it, it looks extremely complicated and then but it is like so simplified the moment that you threw everything down on the board it's just like no okay well this card will show you how to set everything up yep all right these are your actions these are your dice just do it and it was it was your goal is to just you know the scenario will tell you how to disrupt the ritual that the cultists are doing Mm -hmm. because all scenarios are basically that like xyz cult is doing this ritual if you do this, it will stop the ritual. By stopping the ritual, the ancient one will show up. Then you have to beat him up. Mm. And that's where I say this game has that actiony, pulpy feel. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more in your face. It reminds me of almost like Arkham Horror Second Edition board game, mm. where you square off and you do that ancient one battle. Um, the Fantasy Flight line has kind of gotten away from that. They still do very actiony, but they've gotten away from that as far as like the big climactic battles. This mm. is that battle. If you're missing, if you're missing that from the fantasy flight games, Death May Die has that for you. So that's things it does well. What else does it do well? Um, I mean, it it does make you feel like you're in control like throughout. The majority of the game, mm-hmm. and 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 for people that want to plan stuff out, um, I mean, we had um, we had what is it um, when the uh, sanity thing where once you hit number five, it triggers. I had the sanity track. Sanity track, but I had a uh, OCD, and you had the one where you run oh psychotic and... episodes where yeah. whenever I mine triggered i would move to the closest figure and then do two damage to everything that's in it in that space yeah so i mean there's there's a lot that goes into it It, it's a very simplified game but it's it's also complex at the same time right where we would play to each other's weaknesses because Mm -hmm. i would know okay well if you i'm about to go crazy and snap and then punch everything around me so you not want to be in my space you'd be like one sandy away and i'm like okay well i'm just gonna run clear across the board and go fight and, those things. And be because... further away than anything else. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. 
So it's, it's good for that. Um, you're right. It absolutely allows you to stay in control mm -hmm. or at least have you feel like you're in control. Um, because most uh, of the things that it does are relatively predictable once, mm. once you've seen the, the scenario unfold a little bit. Yeah. Um, compared to, like, I, I'm going to keep comparing it back to mansions because that's probably the most similar to this. There's a lot of stuff in mansions that you just, it's going to blindside you. The mystery and the element of surprise is cool mm -hmm. if you want that. But if that's something that bothers you in a game and you want more of, more control of the situation, this is going to mm. be better for you. And this can be a pro or it can be a con, depending on who you are. Absolutely. Um, well, there, there's no, uh, there's no oh crap moment. Where you're going oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, because you're trying to, like, there's no like uh, existential dread coming at you during the game. Unless everything moved onto your space and you have to defeat like, or survive like four attacks or five attacks. We had that happen, and it was like, okay, we'll just keep Oh, I almost didn't make it. Yeah, you almost didn't make it, but then I ran away, right? and then you lost one Sandy, and then you killed everything on that space. Correct. There are, there are ways to yeah. do it, but like if the dice, I ran out of re-rolls, if the dice just fell yeah. the wrong way, I was, I was toast. Yeah. Um, and that would have been just how it is. Mm -hmm. um, things that it doesn't do well. Let's, let's talk about some of the cons on this one, because... Mm. As we always talk about in reviews, we want to show the good and the bad. Every game's going mm -hmm. to have good and bad elements to it. As a Lovecraft and Mythos fan, um, it doesn't have flavor. It doesn't. Yeah. Like, if you know the Mythos, like, you could kind of interject your own flavor mentally into it, but it mm -hmm. on a lot of things, it's pretty on the dry side. It's also not very horror-driven. It's very action. Mm -hmm. um, if you go back and you go to the source material and you go to the mythos stuff, like, just seeing these things makes you go crazy, and going crazy isn't good. Mm -hmm. This game rewards you for going crazy because while you have your psychosis and sanity that will trigger, it's also how you level up your skills, mm -hmm. which you want. Yeah, and you know, that, that's honestly where my, my first playthrough... You were worried about it. Yeah, I was worried about going my first insane. my first playthrough. I was very worried. I was yeah. like, "Let me go crazy. Let's do this." Well, I I, I didn't go crazy at all. Like I, I purposely like because I had uh, um, OCD. No, it wasn't. Well, I had OCD, so I mean, uh, my character had OCD. So if I hit like every five I hit on the insanity track, I would have to um, even out. Sheet. Yeah, my mm -hmm. my items, um, but. Um, I was worried about hitting that just because I didn't want to, as as any game I really play, I want to keep my health, my everything up as much as I can mm -hmm. so I don't run into that issue down the line. It's a track you want to go down in a controlled manner. Yeah. And yeah. if you saw, if you actually watched what I did while we played, I made sure I hit those thresholds to get some of the bonuses. Mm -hmm. But I was about halfway... When we broke the ritual still. Yeah. I wasn't all the way down. And what's nice about those threshold stops is they are stops. Like, if you lose four sanity, mm -hmm. but you're two away from the threshold, you're only going to lose two. So, while playing it a bunch of times in a row with different scenarios, different characters, I, that's something I, I picked up as a learned skill of riding that line of craziness is part of the game mechanics. Yeah. It's... I think it's a fun game mechanic. I just don't think it's. I think it's mythos. An, yeah, I think it's an interesting game mechanic. It powers you up. Yeah. If it if it hurt you more as you went along, it got crazier. Mm. Then I would see it being more in theme. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I don't think insanity should be a power up. Yeah. But it is. I mean, I, I was playing, and I'll abuse it because it's a co-op game. I gotta, I've, I've gotta use all the, all the, all the wheelhouse tools to make sure yeah. that we win. Um, but that, I think that's what bothers me about it is it doesn't feel Lovecraftian because you're almost rewarding people for going crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, like that's the flavor that they're going for. They got it. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a miss on the the Lovecraft side. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of 
dread that your insanity was going to drain out in and one all, turn. And then all of a sudden, like, in one turn, I'm going to go crazy and then start attacking you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you um, you had the um, plastic uh, right. uh, set. Um, so in the unspeakable box, uh, which was kind of where all the stretch goals and extra stuff got shoved in for for backers, which should most of most of it should be coming out to retail in some form. Most of that there was these cardboard or plastic shells mm-hmm. that you could put your character sheet into, which then had little notches for the tracker tokens that you're using on the sheet. Keeps it a little bit nicer. Um, if you've played terraforming Mars before, that's kind of what you're working with is a a cardstock piece of character sheet with tokens all over it, like six tokens all over it, with nothing holding them where mm. they are. This made it a little bit easier to manage that. Yeah. It's a nice upgrade. It would be nice if it was in the core box, but yeah, you can play the game without it, too. Yeah. It doesn't break anything. It just makes you... Be careful! Don't bump, don't bump your character sheet. Sort of situation. Yeah, uh, the the um, tracking tokens are tiny, and mm-hmm. especially on like that sandy track. I mean, it's it's long. a long track, mm-hmm. so you could accidentally knock it over and become more insane than, than you meant you. to. Or true, true. Yeah. So. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's. I think Death May Die has a niche um, for that action pulpy, like, let's kill big bad monsters mm-hmm. uh, feeling. Yeah. Um, I would definitely suggest it for someone who wants a quick Cthulhu-themed game, not necessarily, um, like, an H.P. Lovecraftian heavy game, but just something that you want to see the monsters, you want to see... Um, just a fun, quick game. Yeah. Um, quick-ish. Yeah. 90 minutes. Quick-ish compared to a lot of the other Lovecraftian games on the market. Correct. And that's, I think, where it hits its niche. Where, um, you know, this is almost what I feel like Final Hour should have been in yeah. some capacity. Like, they could have probably cleaned this a little bit more. Get it into that sixty to ninety minute window. Mm-hmm. Window, maybe maybe like drop the ritual components down a little bit, and all of a sudden we have what final hour could have been. Yeah, with some flavor. Yeah, um, while keeping the action going. So, I think I would recommend this over final hour. Mm-hmm. If you want a quicker Lovecraft game that actually has some flavor to it, the downside is most of the characters are pretty generic or. Um, there's like Rasputin or the kid or kind of like serial killer pop culture references. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting going it's, through there. Yeah, it's and, and it's seeing, a little all over the place. Yeah. Seeing where they wanted to go with everything. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't suggest it for someone who's looking to get a deep, rich story out of no, it. No, you're not going to um, get that. Because it's, it's literally, the story is... You're at a party, and that the, guy's there. The ritualists are amongst the masked pertainers, and they'll the, the party goes will be the first sacrifice. Can you unmask them before they complete their ritual? Mm-hmm. Go. Yeah. And you know you get like small little text on uh, the cards, but uh, um, the discovery cards. The discovery cards give you a little bit more flavor of what's going on because you you know during this one it, the the precursor did talk about oh we're at a mask ball there's dancers and revelers and then there's also like animals and menagerie and then we start discovering some animals through the discover uh discovery cards. yeah unfortunately i'm the one who discovered all the animals and you discovered the animal it? handler animal handler like who gave you the discount to get the animals yeah but like 90 percent through the game so all of a sudden like you know I, you you're pulling out cards like a flask and i'm pulling out like gorilla and monkey and it's tiger. a big gorilla and i'm like Okay, well, I can get a gorilla right now. Yeah, but that gorilla gave you three extra health points. Yeah, it was a nice gorilla. And the tiger gave me more dice. Yep. So, it's good for the quick-ish, medium-weight action. It's good for 
um, an action monster kicking the door, let's let's do this sort of situation. It's not good for a carefully crafted story narrative game that um, I've come to expect out of some of the like mansions or mm. the Arkham Horror card game. Yeah. So, pros and cons. Um, other not. If you are someone who doesn't like the horror elements and like are squeamish about the weird stuff, other than the minis looking like monstrous, looking pretty gnarly, yeah, it really doesn't have like gore or horror elements attached to that. Mm-hmm. So it it's relatively light on all that sort of stuff. So I it, mean, so it's like, a little bit more. I honestly almost say it's a little bit more kid friendly in that aspect. Yeah, because I mean, there is monsters. There are games uh, where they actually describe, you know, the the monster. The black, the black ichor um, viscously flows down its maws as it drips, and it reminds you of the time that you were a boy and were almost drowned in a pool. Yeah, and this is just like they move into your square. They move into your square. Okay, and next part of your turn. Now they attack, now they attack you. you. Yeah. Where do they attack you? Roll some dice. They'll either make you go crazy or they'll make you take some damage. Yeah. Straight up. Pretty simple. Yeah. So, it has pros and cons. It's a neat game. I'm glad I do have it. I think it's going to hit the table every once in a while for that quicker, mm-hmm. let's just do something fun game. Um, I know the big boy's going to hit the table a couple of times because I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are interested in just playing with that on the table. It's just going to be cool. Yeah. But that's more of a novelty core game. I think the core game's a beautiful piece, mm. ready to go. For me, uh, someone like me, I might even just pick up the core box. I don't think mm-hmm. I necessarily need to get the the expansions. I would get another Elder one. I mean, you know, yeah, definitely an extra I would pick Elder up, one. I would um, pick up the core box, and if you were looking for, like, one more expansion, I would pick up either the Black Goat or um, Yogg-Sothoth. Because you have six things you can rotate through with uh, the scenarios and only two Elder Gods in the box. Mm-hmm. Getting that third Elder God, now that you have six times three yeah. options. Yeah, that's uh, fair. So, for bang for your dollar, I think an Elder God would be the next logical expansion to get. And then if you really want more, then get the Season 2 box because you're getting more scenarios and then more characters to play with. Yeah. And more monsters. Just to forewarn everyone, we did look into season two, the season two box, and it did not come with another um, ancient ones. Ancient ones. So that season two box is an expansion; is not a standalone. Make sure that if you pick it up, pick up the core. Right. It also and then it also the, needs the tiles from this and yeah and so I mean it comes with yeah. a lot. It comes with a lot. It almost looks like a full game. Yeah. Except for you need tokens, uh, some map tiles, and definitely an ancient one to go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, other than that, I think it's pretty passable. It's not going to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. If you're, yeah, like I said, I've said it a couple times, if you're looking for an action-packed, mythos-themed game that mm-hmm. isn't very heavy on the horror, this is it. Yeah. This is this is This was fun. Alright, so um, that was our review of Death May Die. Next week we are going to be talking about Wingspan. Kaka. Kaka, kaka. It's like a year later, but. Um, yeah, we tried getting a copy earlier and then there's the whole malarkey with it not being anywhere forever. I got my copy pretty early. Yeah, you did get your copy pretty early, mm-hmm. but we we're so far past then. By Other yeah. things happened, Gen Con happened. Other trips and events like it just kind of kept being pushed to the wayside plus we were doing um the the interviews and other things too Mm -hmm. and not quite focused on uh, reviews only so now that we're more reviews only we're going to get through them faster so wingspan um and we're also going to talk about the expansion for wingspan which also came out so there's that sounds good until next time, uh, well, actually, uh, you'll be hearing this next year. So from the past, happy new year, new decade, all that fun stuff. 2020. Uh, 2020. Uh, we will come back at you with Flappers, our... Flappers, Prohibition, and... 
Yeah, it's all coming back. It's, it's all, all coming, coming back. back. All right. Until next time, make sure to get you guys' goals together. Let us know. And uh, keep on rolling. Keep on rolling. So this has been Justin. And Ricky. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you.